Hey, this is Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour podcast, and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. Listen up. Woo! That was awesome. Thank you. Cool, man. Cool, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Welcome. Okay, so Stephen Crutchfield. Uh, this is this is kind of like one of my favorite shows. It's like I think the first or second Vroom Vroom Beer show that I recorded. Um, and then for whatever reason, it this is where it landed in the schedule. But. And you ever notice, like, whenever you meet somebody new, you feel like, first you feel like, ah, this guy's amazing, and then you think, then you think, the evil voice inside of you says, ugh, my life is so boring compared to this guy. It's never true. I've had a lovely, wonderful life, and so has Stephen Crutchfield. But, okay, let's get into a couple of things that was cool about Stephen Crutchfield. Oh, his uh, his website and brand is Villa Capelli, and I hope I'm saying that right. And uh, they sell all sorts of products of Italy. So check that out. VillaCapelli.com. V-I-L-L-A-C-A-P-P-E-L-L-I.com. Check it out. Anywho, so for the first story was about how Stephen grew up in Kennedy, Texas, and there's only one in in Kennedy. So there's a story behind that. And then there's a great story about how uh, he was in college and he did a trip with his friends. Wait a minute. Sorry. Back that up. He was in high school and he was thinking about, oh, where should, where should I go to college? Anyway, wait a minute. Yeah, I think so. Maybe he was in college. That's right. He was in college already by that point. Now, first off, the first story that he tells is moving from high school, which was a very small town, the Kennedy, Texas, super small town, like the graduating class, uh, his senior graduating class was smaller than his first college class at the University of Texas, I think in Austin. I don't remember. But anyway, it's been a while since I've edited this show. Anyway, so he uh, that, that was a big uh, beer story for him, moving from small town to big city, big school. And then another one, while he was in college, he took a trip to New York and had this great adventure while in New York. And then that planted the seed for him to eventually go work in New York. And then I don't want to spoil the end about... Um, you know, the whole story. So, but, uh, this is fun. Uh, lots of surprises, lots of twists and turns. What a great life. And, um, I'm jealous really, Steven, I kind of want to be you. Uh, anyway, uh, without further ado, my chat with Steven Crutchfield of villacapelli.com. Enjoy. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Yeah, and we met during uh, Life After Eight Weeks Beta. Yes. But we didn't really Funny. officially meet. We only we only Facebook met. Yes, because our time difference was a little... Yeah, difficult. well, don't give it away. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's uh, leave the story grow. But yes, <laughs> time zone is a challenge. You know, how much of a challenge? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, we met during Life After Eight Weeks, which is... Uh, it, it was in beta when we did it. Um, yep. So that was intended for... Uh, podcasters that had finished their news and w noteworthy time. And it was uh, put out by Michael O'Neill. And he's an awesome guy. 
and an awesome yes, podcaster. <laughs> yeah. And hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about Stephen Crutchfield and your story. So, geez, you know, I, I've we've got to have a, a fun way to start, you know, but you started mm-hmm. in Kennedy, Texas yes. and, uh, and everybody wants to spell Kennedy the, the way the Kennedys do, but you guys, yeah. the city doesn't. No, <laughs> no it's the one end. Yeah. It's actually a great story. If you want to know the story, of I do. Town yeah. That's, that's, oh, that's, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It used to be called six shooter junction back in the day. Six shooter junction. Yes. That's even and better. The, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And um, the um, the actual capital of the county was um, Helena. Okay. And uh, the um, son of Mr. Kennedy, if I don't remember his first name, but the son of Mr. Helena went, uh, Mr. Kennedy went into Helena, into a bar, got into a bar fight, and got shot dead in a gunfight. Oops. So Mr. Kennedy went to Helena and said, "You know, can I want you this town to tell me like who killed my son?" Right. And nobody in the town would tell him, you know, who in the town killed his son in the fight. So he said, since this town killed my son, I'm going to kill this town. Whoa. So, so at the time, the railroad was being built. The railroad was scheduled to go through Helena. But Mr. Kennedy gave all of his land to the railroad. So the railroad bypassed Helena and went into Kennedy. And to this day, Helena is a ghost town. And now Kennedy is the is a real town. town. Yeah, real town. But he got his revenge, didn't he? He did. He killed the town. He didn't really kill the town. Well. He made the town move. <laughs> <laughs> Into some degree, that's true. Because <laughs> yeah. killing yeah. a town sounds very Game of Thronish. Yeah, that's true. He didn't poison them. He didn't or literally kill the town. Yeah. He didn't bring a posse in now, but he killed. He made yeah. the town go away. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But that's killing the town. But it just sounds better to say kill the town. Yeah. It? Yeah. It sounds brutal. Yeah. So that's when they renamed Six Shooter, Six Junction, Shooter Junction to Kennedy. To Kennedy. And he only yeah. has one N in his Kennedy. Exactly. Okay. So what was life like for Stephen growing up in Kennedy, Texas? It's a very small town, 3,763 people when wow. I was there. Wow. Now that yeah. is yeah. really small. Yep. Um, let's see. My, uh, my, entire, my graduating class, I think, was 50 of us, and our entire high school was 200. So that just gives you the idea. Right. But I guess I wouldn't trade it for anything looking back. At the time, I, at the time I didn't know anything else. Right. Honestly. It's I your mean, world. It was sure. just, it's my world. It was my world for... 18 years. I grew up there for 18 years, never moved. That's where I was, well, I was born nearby, but still born and raised basically right there. Um, it's all my life. And looking back, I loved the small town experience in the sense of I was able to do so much and experience so much. So then I kind of found what I loved in that sense of like I did yeah, I did all kinds of sports, all kinds of, in Texas, it's called UIL, I think, what is it, University Interscholastic something, league, okay. I think it is, which is basically like, um, what are those, it's usually, um, um, what do you call it, academic kind of competitions, so everything from math stuff to science oh, stuff okay. to writing, right, to writing, right. which is what I love, I, I love to write, so then I was, I got into writing, doing that kind of stuff. Um, now you're going to get some of my geeky high school stories out of me. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a, a place called Menominee, Michigan. Menominee? Yeah. It sounds like it the, sounds, wasn't it sound like the song? What's the? Nah, 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 nah. Isn't that Menominee? Menominee. That's Menomina. Menomina. Okay. And it's just a, it's just a bunch of (laughs) stones rammed together from Sesame street, which is awesome. I think, I don't know where it came from to tell you the truth, but that's Menomina. I know it sounds a lot like Menominee. Right. Right. Yes. (laughs) But Menominee is actually uh, a native American uh, tribe name. The Menominee. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So there was a lot of native Americans around there. And so they named our town Menominee and there's a Menominee river and, you know, Menominee everything. And I also think it meant wild rice too, but then they, they named the, uh, the tribe after the wild rice because uh, maybe they grew it for two notes. I don't really know. But anyway, it was a little bit bigger than your small town. Yep. 
So I want to say that it was a twin city with uh, um, Marinette, Wisconsin. So they both had about 12,000-ish. Um, so together there was like 24,000 on, you know, if you add them together yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah, I got you. Yeah. And we dated, you know, school, uh, girls from Marinette yeah. and, you know, I mean, I, I could walk to Marinette. I could walk to Wisconsin from, from Michigan, you know, <laughs> yeah. I did all the time, you know, my, yeah. uh, my, all of my mom's family was from Wisconsin and my dad's family was from Michigan. So, you know, there's this whole dual state deal, like the Packers deal, like the, the lions. Yeah. I like the Packers. So were, were they so your big rivals then in high school? Like the oh, next, huge. The yeah. Yeah. In that's football, what ours yeah. In football, they, uh, they yeah. called that the M M&M and M game. Uh, ah. the nominee, Marinette, yeah, the M&M. Ah, right, right, right. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, right. And they, and it, for the, for a while, it was like the, the longest lasting, uh, rivalry that uh, hadn't yeah. broken, um, in, in like the highest number of years. But then I don't know why, but they stopped. It had something to do really? with budget. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the school's didn't oh, that's what really makes it fun. I know. I, I, I mean, to me, it's like, we had our rival was like five, exactly. Our rival was like five miles away and it was like every game. It was always the biggest deal. And even yeah. though it didn't matter, they might not have been in our district and it didn't matter whatsoever, but it was such a big deal. Right. When you play the rival. Yeah, I know it's huge. Yeah. And then, you know, there was a big buildup and we would make floats and you'd go egging yeah. and toilet paper. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's sort of like lost now. I don't. People don't do that uh -huh. anymore, as far as I know. Yeah. Oh, anyway, and we played kick the can. You you're, did you ever play kick the can? No, that I don't know that one. Okay. Well, it, it sounds like we were really poor, but it was a fun game. But there was a can, <laughs> and there was kicking involved. <laughs> that was a great game. <laughs> um, so anyway, okay. So you were. That sounds you know fairly typical. Uh, you know, and everybody's zero through 18 is like a very vroom vroom type of situation. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, like, and, vroom. Was, <laughs> yeah. and I was very blinders on focus, not necessarily again, that was my world and I loved my world. So I wasn't necessarily didn't want to necessarily leave that world, but I wanted to make a better life for myself. Sure. So I was so, so focused on academics. I was, my brother called me the, the leader of the nerd herd. Awesome. Yeah. So I was, I mean, I graduated valedictorian, which isn't a great accomplishment when there's only 50 people. Sure so. it is. Yes, it is. Hey, you know, you got to be the big fish, even it if you're in fine. a small pond. <laughs> yeah. But I was just so, so focused on getting a good, you know, getting out of, getting to a good college, I okay. guess. And so right, that right. was my room room. That's what I think also one reason I was doing so many of the extracurricular activities as well. You know, I was just thinking, okay, this will look good down the road on my resume, blah, blah, blah. So it was just, it was a total room room without, you know, without yeah, you know, direction. When, when you're young and, and now let me ask you this, did you have any veering moments? I mean, we all do. I, when I think about those times, like the big rooms, I think it's when you change or veers when you're, you know, zero to 18, I guess would yeah. just be when you're going to a new school. That's always traumatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you go from yeah. elementary school to junior high and then junior high to high school. Yeah, the, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or maybe I mean, you, you change a house or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, see, to me, the, my from zero, from again, from birth to 18, was so just standard. Like okay. I, the, the same house. My parents still live in the same house wow. that I grew up in. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I never ever moved houses. We went. To, I went to the same, and we lived. My parents were both teachers, so mm -hmm. they, and so I kind of I had to both both as teachers, which was odd. Yeah, that's uh, a little weird. <laughs> it's a little weird. It, it explains remember, <laughs> a little bit about Chief Geek, uh, then you know. Yeah, and I was also like, I would, I would have to when I had my dad in high school, I would have to poke the guy in front of me and be like. I'd poke my friend and be like, get his attention, get his attention. Like I had a question and they're like, mm -hmm. get his attention. Like, no, you have to get it. Cause he would, he would be like, you know, looking at his desk writing or something. I'm like, I can't raise my hand and say, dad, like, but I'm not going to raise my hand and say, Mr. Crutchfield either. So it was kind of like, can you yeah. get his attention, please? It was such a <laughs> odd situation. <laughs> I was like, just get his attention for me and I'll ask the question. I just don't want to call him because then it's, it's odd. weird. Yes. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. But no. Yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, that would be weird getting used to. Yeah. No, but I didn't have much room. My big, 
for me, the big veer moment, at, if you want to get into that right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. From necessarily from, again, from high school all the way through, I was just, it was the blinders on, vroom, vroom. My veer moment came more when I went to orientation in college and um, was at UT, um, the University of Texas in Austin. Okay. Um, you go through, I think it was a week before classes started, I forget. Maybe it was even a month. You have to go up for kind of an orientation thing, freshman orientation. So you haven't moved your stuff yet. You're just going no. up there. Okay, right. You just kind of go up and you're introducing you to kind of the whole program. They're and showing you, kind you around of, the campus and... That kind of stuff, exactly. And so I'm going from this little town to now, it's a campus of 50,000 students. Mm, yes. Whoa. Uh, my, I mean, actually, my my first dorm was bigger than my entire town. That's amazing. So, yeah. And my first class in college was bigger than my entire high school. So, <laughs> that's so you got, you got some, some serious cool. adjustment yeah. to do there. Dude. But this was the <laughs> orientation. So the orientation was... Uh, so... For all of, I think, 15 minutes, I was a biology major. I don't know what I was thinking. I liked science in high school, but I don't know what I was thinking because it's just not my personality. But anyway, I went up to the advisors. And, you know, at this point, you know, in high school, you're told kind of what you can pick classes here and there. But you're kind of told, especially in a small town, you don't have a lot of choices. You're told what you're taking. Like, okay, next <laughs> okay. Year, yeah, next year you're taking trick. You know, next right. year you're taking. You're kind of biology. on either a, you're going to go to college or you're going to not go to college kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. So you could, you know, there was a few things you could choose here and there, but there wasn't a lot of choice in a small town. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't used to necessarily creating my own curriculum necessarily. So, you know, I went to the advisor and they were like, okay, you need, you need to take um, calculus and you need to take this and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, oh, or you could take this, you could take that, you know presenting me with like 20 different courses to take. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like calculus? What is that? I didn't even know. We didn't even have a calculus <laughs> in high school. Right, so right. I was like, so I remember just going back to my room and luckily my brother was actually, was going to University of Texas. He's uh, three years older than me. Mm-hmm. So I remember just calling him and saying, uh, what's going on? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I, I just, and I just broke down. I was like, I do not know. This is, this school is not for me. I don't understand what they want. I don't know what course to pick. I was like bawling. I was like, wow. I don't know what, I was like so Thoroughly overwhelmed. overwhelmed. Yes. Right. So overwhelmed. And finally, luckily he came and he was like, let me just come pick you up. He picked me up and then he goes, look, just take, take all the basics. Like he goes, you're going to need the basics. You know, take a freaking really basic, science class, take a really basic English class and take, yeah. you know, like, you know, you take all the boom, boom, like, don't worry about, and then if you needed to take the math class, whatever later, but just for your first semester, just get that. And then he told me what to take. And I was just, after that, I was like, okay, I can do this. Like focus. I can do this. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I, I, I can totally relate. Um, whenever something's new, um, I, I, I know in, in the past, and this is, you know, I guess some of it's still hanging around in the adult version of me, but it's yeah. like, you always just assume you're an idiot for, for some, oh, even, yeah, totally. even, yeah. even, you know, even if you have got like lots of evidence to say you're not like you and I did, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, it's like. Yeah, but this is new. <laughs> uh, but right? even speaking of being an idiot too, I because then because I was going to be a biology major for all of you know fifteen minutes, I was on my dorm room, my dorm building, my floor. I was put in the science and engineering floor. So each floor had different majors, basically. So that you mm, basically so you were you with your tribe, yeah. com- exactly. Mm-hmm. So my roommate was a physics major. Spoke another language. I have no idea to this day what he was talking about half the time. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't speaking German. He was speaking physics. <laughs> physics. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Cosine, blah, blah, blah. What? Sure. Yeah. It's like, and then, I mean, but with, what, luckily I did, I did create some amazing friends that are still my friends from to this day from that floor. But I remember thinking, okay, I come, I, you know, I thought I was smart. I thought I was like top of the game because I mean, I, I knew right. I came from a small school, but I still thought, okay, I'm pretty smart. These people were a league of their own. I mean, seriously, a le- I just couldn't believe the, the intelligence uh, on these people. And they just blew me away, which is right. one of those things where I was like very humbling, but also very inspiring. 
you know, it was kind of like, again, I, I mean, I might not be able to do the, the math they're doing, but I can write an amazing, you know, paper, which I did all the time. So, you know, that yeah, was my, that was, it's almost strength. like you're starting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I gotcha. So, that, so yeah. like a parallel for me for veer wise would be sort of like showing up at air force basic training. Yeah. So, um, and here's, there's a funny story that I'll generalize because I don't want to get too deep, but, um, I, I did, um, super well academically, right. Mm -hmm. Um, because in the air force, they, they're looking for smart people too. So really you spend like a lot of time just sitting in class, you know, and getting taught by, um, you know, enlisted people, you know, sergeants and mostly, and they're telling you about stuff that's about the air force, you know, and you've, uh, at the end, and at the end of basic training or somewhere, maybe along the way, you're taking these tests, right. And yeah. they're just based on what you're learning in the book. And, you know, every free moment you're supposed to be reading your stupid student study guy. So academically I was like, I think I got like, I did really well. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, my first, uh, what does they call them? Like training instructor. So they were TIs, not drill instructors like they have in the army. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was very much, um, he would, he would find a way to kick out anybody in his, um, flight. Basically that's what they called us in their group that was going to stop them from becoming an honor flight every time he was like, every and one of my yeah. flights are honor flights and that's just who like, I am. Right. It's right. still kind of like top gun or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. And, um, I, I have two left feet, so I'm not really all that good at marching. All right. Uh, right. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm never, never good dancer. Right. You know, so exactly. I'm the that's same just, way. it's just me. Not the know? same thing, but for a band too, I was the same way. I hated marching. Yeah, in band. I, I hated like, marching. I hated marching. Oh, so I would yeah. always, you know, he, so somewhere along the line, he, he decided that I needed to go. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, his tactic was, was there was like two required, um, locker inspections, right. That we knew about, they were called the red lines, right. And they were pass or fail. And if you screwed up these inspections and it's just, they're looking at your uniforms and how you present your crap and it's an attention to detail inspection kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but you, he had the prerogative of inspecting every day. They called those blue lines, right? So he had blue lines every day. Right. And so, you know, one day, um, we got our new uniforms, the blue ones, instead of the green ones that we wore every day. And, you know, then the next day we had an inspection and I forgot like one thing five times. So he, he kicked me out of his flight. They call that oh. recycling. Right. So oh. I got recycled two days. <laughs> so everybody's oh. got to be in a certain number of training days while you're in basic. Right. So my flight was on day, say 30. So he kicked me into a flight that was on day 28. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I got to the end and they, and my new, and my new, uh, uh, drill instructor flight and whatever they call him, a training instructor. Yeah. He was like, well, you had the test score, so you would have had, um, honor grad, but you got recycled. <laughs> oh, oh. I had right. a professor like that in school too. I had like a really good GPA and he just, he screwed my GPA up. <laughs> he gave out of spite or something or yeah but he was just it was like and it was an it was a total optional night class that i took okay and it was just like uh, you're just filling, you're filling in credits basically yeah yeah i mean and actually i was doing it just as like okay this will help me it was, it was another writing course which i enjoy doing so i was like okay i'll take this oh he was such a butthead idiot uh, <laughs> yeah, butthead. i'm like uh oh he only gave it. Okay. No, I won't give that for you, but it's, it was, I pissed me off about that class. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I could tell another yeah. story about that, but let's move on. Cause <laughs> yeah. that was a nice yeah. tangent. Okay. So okay. you're in UT and you're room rooming. Yes. Right. Okay. It, yes. So then, um, you're getting towards the end and you're having another veer moment looming <laughs> yes. just up the road. And these are the kind that you can see coming. So what's, what's, uh, your next veer after UT? 
Okay, my next veer. Well, I'll I'll tell the whole little story because sure. I was. No, no, uh, you... Yeah, uh, I um, I got a dual degree in um, I got a BA in English and a BS in advertising. Oh, that's good. So, that's very appropriate. Yeah. A BS in advertising. Yes. <laughs> exactly, isn't it? <laughs> it I have a BS in psychology, so they're both appropriate. <laughs> yes, exactly, it's very appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I mean, my I, I loved advertising. I really, really did, and that was my goal. But my English, was, I, back in my mind, I was I always knew okay, advertising is very hard to get into, very hard to uh, um, get a start in. So okay. I was like, you know, if I don't find a job, and I can always go teach English. Again, coming from parents both being teachers, right, I knew right. I'd probably, it's almost, I it felt I'd, familiar. Exactly, and I thought I would enjoy it. I think I still would enjoy it if I ever did another Vera moment. But um, I decided, oh, you know, so I had those two degrees. Come at my, um, actually, my I think I think it was my junior year. Actually, um, my advertising club takes a trip to New York. They take a trip every spring break to New York to go be, meet with a bunch of ad agencies, take tours, get, you know, get some contacts, especially with a lot of alumni, that kind of stuff. So I took this trip. Actually, most people take it as a senior year. I took it my junior year, I think just because I had a lot of senior friends okay. and I just kind of, I kind of wanted to take the trip. Makes sense. Yeah. And I remember, you know, it was a great trip. I, Oh, I probably shouldn't say this in case my parents ever hear this, but I really, <laughs> yeah, I really do don't. Do your parents download podcasts? <laughs> no, they, no yeah. they don't. Probably okay. no. I hope they download mine. But, yeah, uh, I hope so too. You have to teach <laughs> yeah. them how. I will. But um, I really don't remember a lot of that trip. <laughs> I um, actually turned 21 on that trip. And it was my, and I was actually the first time I ever used a fake ID because for the first three days, one of the guys had a fake ID I was able to use in New York. So before your birthday, say, yes, before my birthday. Okay, so right, he, makes sense. It was it was a very interesting trip in the sense of like it was a whirlwind. It was we did, you know, we'd go see agencies by day, but then we do every single tourist thing we could possibly do until like one or two in the morning and then and drinking along the bars along the way it was crazy it's a crazy trip but it was so much fun but anyway i mean my thing was just to go have fun with my friends you know it's a good opportunity when am i ever going to get to get to new york right yeah, new york's never great fun york. and it was, exactly. hadn't been cleaned up yet or, or had no it. What, what? that was still oh that was still when like what like, i'll tell you this might be a tangent the 80s or 90s later. or what it was it was um Mid nineties, early mid nineteen ninety five, probably. Okay, so they started cleaning up. That I think Giuliani, yeah. <laughs> Giuliani was still around, but so were the uh, the nasty things in Times Square were still yeah, there. Do you, want, do you want to really? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. That's okay. <laughs> this is part of the story. I love so, it. One of the, I think it was one of the girls. I'm pretty sure because the guys were not the. They wanted to. The, the the um what do you call it? The rated X theaters were still up in Times Square. Right. They're still there. They were like, we have to go. It's part of New York. Okay. We were like, why do we have to go? Like, what is the point of this? Why do we have to go? I yeah. think this was like a drunken moment at two in the morning. Sure. I really. And well, so, it's kind of like going to Amsterdam. You have to check out it, the red light district. Exactly. Because you you're there, you know, you're there. We're there. Yeah. And I think it costs a dollar to get in. It was something stupid, whatever it was. We're like, okay, we'll go. <sighs> so we get in the, the, you know, the movie's playing. So there's six of us. So we're, we're trying to find a seat. The freaking theater is packed. I it's mean, packed. packed. Wow. It's packed. I was like, okay, this is really weird. So we finally find like three seats and three seats. Uh, it was just the whole, the, I won't get into detail on that, but the whole experience was just really weird. So after about 10 minutes, finally, I was, I think I whispered, can we leave now? Can we please? Like, this is so uncomfortable. It's so weird. So yeah. we finally, we left. After walking down the sidewalk, <laughs> One of the girls looks at the other girl and goes, what's that on the back of your coat? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was, it was something about Mary uh, moment. Right? Yes. Oh, and she like really, it was freezing out. She takes off her coat and holds it out, you know, as far away as she can from herself. Yeah. Did she say, ew. Walk down Walked all the way home with that guy, but it was just so disgusting. Holding it out in front of her, kind of like, yes, yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those moments. Of was there a balcony? I hope, or what? No, it wasn't. Was it just, it was just the, like, the row behind her. 
were behind her or she sat on it. Oh, it was probably on the back of the seat, maybe. Yeah. That's disgusting. Uh, It was so gross. So now, now a little context for people that don't know what's going on is in 1995, the internet didn't have porn yet. No, that's true. So the internet was even around. That was the internet existed, but not in so far as having like, like a real, like it was really slow. It was all dial up. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. You had like CompuServe and Delphi and uh, America, America online uh, and all these different modem based services, but they didn't really have like, it was all mostly text. It was a lot of text. Uh, The World Wide Web was, didn't really exist at that point as we know it today. Um, Google back then. No, no Google. They had a, a bunch of different search engines that yeah. started coming around about that time. Yeah. Yeah. Different Barely. different world, different completely different. Old. Right. Yeah. So that so, was uh that was group porn basically. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. Oh. And this is me coming Mr. Innocent from Texas, like, you know, total I really was pretty innocent still at that point. I mean, and progressively getting more and more exposed because coming from a small town, you got exposed to a lot of U- University of Texas. Then you got even more exposed now on this trip. I was like, you know, it was crazy. But coming back to the story, I remember my parents actually came to visit me. They came and picked me up at the airport when we came back okay. from this trip. And I remember them saying, oh, so now you're going to go live in New York, right? And I was like, no, there's no way, no way I could live in New York. It's like, there's no, it's big city. It's, it's just too much. It's like gross and dirty. And you know, I didn't get into details, obviously. <laughs> but <laughs> Just how <laughs> gross it was. Right? Exactly. <laughs> right. But, but then I, um, I, I think it was a slow progression. And I'll say that was a turning point because it almost put it like a seed in the head, in the back of my head. I mean, I said no, but I kind of thought, well, I've Maybe. been there. Right. I, I've done it. Like, it wasn't that difficult to get around. It wasn't like the people weren't mean. Like, you know, people would stop. We were like lost one time looking at a map and people stopped and said, do you need directions? And I was like, oh my gosh, they're so nice. You know, I mean, right. I find out later they are really nice in New York. So it just planted that seed in my head. And that I think was the turning point a little bit. And then I think it took the rest of my senior year and even finally towards the last of my senior year, I finally realized, look, if you're going to make a go of advertising, the only place to do it is New York as a, especially as a young copywriter. Um, you, that's you where can all the co- agencies are headquartered. Exactly. That's where all the agencies are. That's where all the advertising you can do other places, but some of the, there's, there are more like, I'll call they have some big names. Now there's some in, um, I think there's one in Boulder, Colorado, and there's a few in LA and San Francisco, but they're more top. They take more senior people, so it's more creative. So it's much mm. harder to start. So if you want to, if you want to get your chops, you have to start in New York. It just seems like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like or at least that's what how it was. Exactly, and there's more opportunity there. Mm-hmm. I guess you know I could I probably could have found something in Texas maybe, but but then again, I think luckily having those senior friends, there were friends in New York that had. Um, I had found jobs there. Oh, wow. So I, Great. Yeah, so I called them up and said, like, okay, can I come stay with you for sleep on your floor for a month? Nice. Two weeks and just look for look a job. For job. Like, yeah. Yeah. And they were great. So, you know, one friend let me stay on sleep on his floor for a month. I literally pounded the pavement. Like, I mean, I think I visited every single agency in the freaking city. Wow. <laughs> every, everything I could Every, you know, contact, uh, you pull in all the strings. That's what you it takes. From the yeah. Exactly. That's what it, it was takes. crazy. And I was, and it was determined, you know. And, and, it, it and was it's a good thing because, you know, you're young and, and you, you're exactly. full of piss and vinegar. So you got to be doing something. You might as well be and, doing and, something and constructive. Figured, <laughs> exactly. I figured I might as well give it a, otherwise what, I'm always going to look back and think, what if? So I might as well give it a go. Yeah. I mean, it, I have nothing to lose. I don't have a job. So I might as well try to find one. And it was, I mean, literally, honestly, the very last agency I went to go see had an opening. I had good chemistry with the guy and we hit it off. Um, And then I think probably a few weeks later to a month later, I got a job offer paying me nothing, nothing. (laughs) I mean, literally nothing. 
I mean, it was close to, I, I mean, and not literally nothing. Cost, <laughs> not literally nothing, no. But okay. considering the cost of living in New York, I mean, I, I figured it out when I moved there, 80% of my salary went to pay just my rent. Wow. Yeah, so I had 20% left over for food and anything else. Heat. <laughs> that was for the first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I could have probably found roommates or moved to the suburbs, but when I moved there, I wanted to be in the city because I felt a little safer and I kind of knew the area. I mean, I felt better in Manhattan. Right. Than being, than being in like Brooklyn. One of the, or the boroughs. Queens, right, right. boroughs, yeah. Yeah, you know, so. the, the thing that people forget, well or maybe don't think about is everybody's like, Oh, I can't afford to live in Manhattan. But if you don't, then you're just that you're committing to like, I don't even know, like hour plus commute, right? If you're going to work there. Um, but honestly in the city, I commuted for, I lived in the city and worked in the city and uh -huh. I still commuted 45 minutes. Wow. And th well, the last three or four years I would ride Did you my take bike. the train. I took the subway mm -hmm. um, or the bus, either way. Like you could take the bus across town or the subway. And then um, it would almost always on that way take me at least 45 minutes, maybe half an hour. Okay. If you're lucky. Right. But then I started riding my bike the last three or four years and that took me a good 20, 25 minutes. So it shortened my commute a lot. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. No, it was fun. Riding so you're basically season. like uh, one of those bike messenger guys. Taking yes. your life in your own hands. <laughs> and I did. I got hit. I got hit, broke my arm. Wow. Yep. It was fun. <laughs> it wasn't fun, but it was interesting. <laughs> hey, I haven't oh, <laughs> it's a rush riding. No, but uh -uh. in New York, there's nothing like it. It's just, I don't know, there's something. Yeah. I just remember it, you feel more part of the city. It was kind of cool. Like, you know, I'm riding, zooming in and out next to taxis and yeah. pedestrians. And I would ride through Times Square every day to get to work because it was just on my route. It was like the shortest way. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of cool. Like, I'm like, okay. Because I never came, you never went to Times Square on your own in New York. It was like, it's why? like It's like all of a sudden you're somebody because that's what you're doing. Yeah. No, it was cool. You're, you're in New York and you're riding your bike on the street like a maniac. Exactly. And now, cursing and cursing at bad <laughs> drivers who are trying to run you over. And it's, it was, oh my God. I, I remember, uh, I don't, let's see here. I bought a bike while I was still active duty military and I started riding my bike here to work mostly for fun. Although, you know, yeah, mostly for fun. You know, it's exercise too, but it's mostly fun. Exactly. Um, yeah. so, but like, I want to say like the first couple months of riding, in LA street traffic, um, was mm. horrifying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't the traffic. It was me because oh, it's yeah. like the traffic has this big collective intelligence and they can tell when somebody on a bike doesn't know what the hell they're doing and yeah. they're going to let you know, <laughs> <laughs> get the hell out of the road, you idiot. <laughs> You know, and then later on when you learn, so I would be like, oh, I have to go figure out what I'm doing wrong, <laughs> you know, and then it's all like, you know, keep your line and, and ride confidently. And, and then once you know what you're doing, then the, exactly, you're invisible, yeah. you know, exactly. it's like, oh, that guy no. knows what he's doing. You know, when, yeah. when you're confident and you know what you're doing on a bike, then people are confident that they can get around you. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it, Yeah. Yeah. Totally the same way. Okay. So we're in New York. Oh, wait a minute. That's how you got your, uh, your New York veer. So what was yes. that like? What was your vroom vroom in New York like? My vroom vroom was pretty much like the high school. I put the blinders on. I did the, the agency life. I mean, that was my goal. Of course, you know, it's always about where you can move up. What's your next gig? You're only as good as the last ad you did. Right. And so I was, I was very much in my corporate world. Um, I'll take you a little bit through all that. I mean, I worked at some of the big, not a lot of the big agencies. I worked at, um, if anybody out there knows, the big ones like Gray Advertising, which used to do a lot of Procter & Gamble stuff. Like Fifty Shades of Gray? <laughs> that, yes, exactly. That kind of stuff. Okay. They do, so they were an the agency day, that, that did big brand. The big brand. And they weren't known to be creative whatsoever. And I'm a creative. What creative means, basically they're are three or four different areas in advertising just to give you a brief thing there's like sure. account account people which basically are the liaisons from the agency to the client 
Then there's the creative who actually create the advertising. So mm-hmm. they'll come up with a concept, come up with a concept and the, the right. So then usually you have a partner. I'm a, I was a writer and my partner's an art director. So she's come up, she'll help with the visuals and I help with the writing. Okay. And you kind of, you kind of come up together and the co-concept, but then there's like a media person who buys the media and deals with like buying, whether it's going to be a television spot or a print ad or whatever. And they deal with the actual different medias and where it gets placed. Right. Uh, and then there's also production, which helps you with the production of the actual advertising. Basically, like they'll help you hire a director if you're shooting a TV spot, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's different areas. So I was in the creative area. And um, Gray was not known for being creative, but it was a job. And it got me started. And that was my goal. Get me started. Get me there. Um, I, again, I was very much room, room, like just keep keep plugging away. And I did that. Um, moved into a not much better um, well-known agency, not well-known, better creatively well-known called okay. Bozell, mm-hmm. called Bozell, um, had a great boss there. Um, and now, then it, just was your role a little bit more creative in that one? Um, that one actually was l- probably, I went from getting fairly creative where I was to being less creative cause I went to a very retail okay. account. All right. But I was making twice as much money, so <laughs> at gotcha. that point, that point, I didn't care. Gotcha, gotcha. But what the but the thing was again, it was always about moving and having the opportunity to work on something better. And right. this was they, they they had much better accounts. But basically, I was hired to work the retail side of Verizon Wireless, and then from there on, probably for the last, next six years, Verizon Wireless was pretty much my life. I had other accounts, but they became my life, and actually ended up doing a lot of huge campaigns with them, including the, what people ought to know is the, can you hear me now? Guy. I was just about to ask about the, can you hear yeah. me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah. I so you knew take, that guy? Yeah. Yeah. I can't take credit for coming up with that idea, but I, I will say I perpetuated his existence. Yes. <laughs> yes. We came up with, there were basically right. myself, my partner and another team. You had to keep coming we were, up with new way, new places, new to put ways. Them. Put in, yes. And between the between the two, it, was, it literally came down to being just two teams, like my team and another team. And we came up with like all the ideas for a good two or three years with him. It was crazy. It was so much fun though. You know, and so again, you're working your way up and you now you're doing more fun stuff. You're getting to do shoots and you big directors and it was fun. I got to do a little Super Bowl spot. I got to work with James Earl Jones, all that wow. kind of stuff. So, so yeah, you were having fun. a really good time there. It was a good time. And then basically... Oh, that account moved to another, that account moved to another agency, but I didn't realize this till after the fact, but the client actually asked for us to move with the account. I didn't know that. I just thought that the agency wanted us to move, but (laughs) so we moved to this new agency. Um, I worked on other, all kinds of stuff with that agency from Kohl's department stores. So you kind of got traded. Almost. Yes, basically <laughs> traded. Yeah, yeah. All right. Kind of the same stuff. Yeah. And then um, different agencies, just doing the corporate life, going from agency to agency, doing different stuff. And, and different spots, you know, there's always highs and lows, but I was definitely working working the, the grind. And I will say it was fun a lot of times, but a lot of times a lot of work. And agency life was very much... I will say even nine to nine. I mean, you got in at nine in the morning, you worked till nine Whoa. at night. I mean, consistently, it was, like all the time. A lot of times. I mean, I won't okay. say it was that bad. Mm-hmm. And especially as a creative, you get creative. You can be a little more loose. Like you can go, oh, I'm gonna go take a lunch. So I need to, I need a break and get my creative juices flowing. Mm-hmm. And you disappear. My I, yeah, my, <laughs> yeah, my partner and I didn't do it as much as some other people did, but. I don't know. It was, and I, I will say that it wasn't that that bad, but it, you were expected a lot of times, especially if you're pitching a new piece of business, like you were expected whatever you had going, you drop all your plans and you'd be there till late hours and you're going to be there till midnight, no problem. I mean, it was just, it was a grind. It definitely was. Right. Right. Um, and you're on salary. Yeah. So there's, there's no yes. overtime. Right. Right. No, exactly. So it's basically the, the, uh, the gilded cage sort of situation. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. The, the, or the, the golden, golden handcuffs. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was. Totally. And I was right. definitely in that situation. And now you're getting hooked on all the trappings. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, there was a slight, slight veer moment. I won't say it was a major one. Okay. I mean, I did get, so I got, I got, um, through the corporate world. I was at a small agency, basically long story short, 
They hired a new top executive creative director who's like the top boss. And what usually happens, it's you know, nothing necessarily personal. He likes to clear a house and bring in his own people, which yeah. happens in all businesses everywhere. Yeah. So that eventually happened to my partner and I. Got laid off. Was off for, I don't know, I guess about nine months, I think I was out of work. Wow. You know, doing, free, doing freelance here and there. Oh, okay. But then I got hired um, actually on a sort of side business, which was not at a typical place where I had been. It wasn't a typical ad agency. I got hired at a magazine. Um, it's actually the parent company of Reader's Digest. Mm-hmm. But I was working on Every Day with Rachel Ray and Taste of Home magazines, which are the big two huge food magazines, basically. Of course, right. everybody knows Rachel Ray. Yeah. Yeah. And I was doing like advertorials, which is basically basically sort of something between an editorial slash advertising, you know. Oh, yeah, is, those long pieces that are actually ads, exactly, but they seem exactly. like info, infotainment. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they, sometimes you can sneak in a little bit more, like don't make it look so much like an ad. Depending on the magazine, you can make it like, you know. Yeah, well, basically, it's a sneaky I, way of doing advertising. Exactly. And, and making, making, ad, making an ad look like an article but, is essentially what you're doing. Exactly. But hopefully it's also giving you, I mean, the way we did it wasn't necessarily just an ad, ad either. It was yeah. definitely giving the consumer valuable information along the way. Sure. You know, it might have been all about Philadelphia cream cheese, but it was how to use Philadelphia <laughs> cream cheese in a different way than just spraying on your bagel. It was like put did it you, in a sauce. Did, and, now, you might like this because advertising and selling are uh, yes. sort of like kind of go, go hand in hand. Um, but I saw this Mike Rowe, you know who he is, the, the yeah, yeah, Dirty yeah, Job the, guys? Yep, Dirty Job, yeah. He did this little rant on Facebook um, where he talked about how he was looking for a job and he thought, well, maybe I could get a job in television. And this was back in the early days when QVC, the, what are they? Yeah. I don't even, what a home shopping network, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the same for, yeah. I can't remember what QVC stands for either, no, but that yeah. was same just thing. the first one that popped in my head. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, he saw an ad, it was like, you know, come in and audition for this TV job. And he's like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a fun way to make money. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and he just basically, he, he gets into this room after, you know, sitting around waiting forever and, and he said, and this guy, uh, just walks up to him and says, okay, <clears throat> sit down and talk about this pencil for eight minutes. And if you can do that without, you know, going and um and stammering and running out of things to say and sound intelligent for eight minutes, you got a really good shot at getting this job. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And he tells the story and he writes, basically writes it all out about how, you know, he extolled upon the virtues and and the, and the, and the historical value of pencils, you know, and he was just, you know, riffing and improvising, you know, and, and having fun with it, you know, and just kept talking for eight minutes about a pencil (laughs) and he got the job. That's funny. I love that. Cool. Anyway, so yeah, um, I think that used to be that used to be the famous. I don't know if it was ever true. That used to be supposed to be also the the uh, interview question advertisers would ask. Uh, sell me this pencil. Uh, yeah, sell me this pencil. Sell me. That's the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, is that is it? Yeah. Ah. Well, they did that in Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I don't remember that. It, it was oh. it was in the beginning. It was in the very okay. beginning, and then it was in the very end. So, okay. and it's a very long movie, but basically yeah. it's like, uh, there's a bunch of guys sitting around the table and, yeah. uh, I think somebody says to Leo, said so he hands him a pencil and he says, sell me that pencil. Uh, gotcha. Right. And he, and then yeah. he looks at the guy and he says, Hey, uh, can you write down my number for me? <laughs> he says, I ain't got a pencil. I got one. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. No, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Hey, take a note for me. I ain't got a pencil. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, at the end, he's his his character is doing like a sales seminar. And he just picks people out in the crowd and he gets in their face real intense like and he says, sell me this pencil. <laughs> uh, cool. right, and, he keep, and he keeps going to different people. Anyway. So yeah. anyway, there we go. I, I digress. Okay, yeah. so you're in New York, and again, I don't know. This seems to me because I know the story at least in in, yes. in summary. 
but uh, it does not seem like a veer that you saw coming. Uh, sort of, but sort of no. Okay. Um, I, because I'll tell you the backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we need we need yeah. a lead up. <laughs> well, in two, was it 2004? Um, my boyfriend is from Italy. He um, oh, okay. was born. He was born in Pisa, um, but grew up in Boston. But his and his family is from Puglia, Italy, which is in the south, which is the heel of the boot. Okay. But wow, um, he it's gotta um, be nice. Yes. Um, and he was um down here in Puglia with his three kids. He was married before, um, and he was visiting family. And he passed by, at, he went to go see his mom's property, which is, um, uh, you know, down the road, down via Appia, which is an ancient Roman highway. Nice. And wow. on the way back into town, uh, they passed by this abandoned villa and he asked his cousins, like, well, what's going on with that? They're like, oh, it's been abandoned for 40 years. No, it's, it's not, it's, it's, a, it's a ruin. You don't want to see it. And I know like, it looks cool. So the back wall had collapsed. Um, they were able to get inside the villa and they looked around. He, you know, Paul's son, who was, I think, eight at the time, was like, Dad, Dad, it's a castle. You have to buy it. <laughs> so <laughs> long, long story short, um, we bought a villa in 2004, I believe it was, in Italy. And it was a ruin. It was, I mean, honestly, saying a ruin is actually nice. Ruin. <laughs> it's sort of like, yeah, yeah. You're you're giving it, ruins a bad name when you when you exactly, call it a ruin. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, you know, no running water, no plumbing at all, no electricity, um, walls falling down, no roofs. Um, it was it was a ruin. Um, but you know, we kind of figured, oh, we'll we'll fix it up. Maybe use it as like a sort of a summer home. It'll be there for family, whatever it is. You know, that was kind of the thought. Okay. The th- you know, that was kind of what we did. We did that for a while. Um, I think the VR just came. Well, I didn't think the VR was going to happen. I kind of saw it happening in my retirement, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. So <laughs> now, now like, were you like still, were you living in Italy then or were you no, living no. in New York? Okay. We were in New York. Okay. And Paul was going back and forth pretty much like once a month, a lot of times just to like, oversee construction and renovation just because there's a lot going on okay uh you know both being he's also in advertising right both both being in advertising we saw this as a brand it's not just a home it's also going to be a brand we're going to like create kind of a you know the story that's what it's going to be for us a little bit but again to me it was much more of in the future like my life was still rooming with this you were still in vroom vroom mode right vroom vroom yeah I saw this great job. I mean, like I tell you, the, the job with Rachel Ray and Taste of Home, loved that job. I mean, I had so much fun. My coworkers were amazing. My bosses were amazing. They were just so nice. They were so easy. Like, and I took a huge pay cut, but I got to go home at five o'clock at night. Ah, I mean, how refreshing! It, yeah. Yes, it yeah. was like I was like, "Whoa, I can have a life!" Like, wow, this is amazing. I'm out of prison. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Like you might, it's like so you you might be making more money doing other stuff, but you're not enjoying life. And right. that was kind of my that was right. also kind of the turning point in my head too of like, oh, like I can enjoy life. Like why am I killing myself trying to make a living? you know, with this struggling in advertising mm. when we can do it that way. So that kind of started to click a little bit more, um, a little bit long story short being that, that job that I loved, they basically outsourced my entire department. So they called Ouch. us all into my, yeah, into my boss's office. Like, okay, so, um, I was able to get you one month, but after a month you're all leaving. So it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> I loved this job. Damn oh, it. damn it. <laughs> I know. Um, so you didn't see that coming? No. No. So that was a total. That was a kind of, that was kind of a veerish kind of that you didn't. Major. Yeah. That, that's a veer you don't see coming. No. And right. so it was one of those. And Paul's, Paul's business was not, he, he owned an ad, ad agency called the ad store. He did a lot of, actually, he did a lot more famous. He's much more famous than me. He did, um, made GoDaddy famous. Um, mm, did all I love the those ads at the, in the courtroom. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. He did the one in the courtroom. That's the one he did. That's on great. the Super Bowl. Yeah, they that's them, awesome. Took them, took them from number three to number one overnight. Wow. Literally overnight. Um, yeah, I registered then, a couple of domains there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, it did, worked. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Paul. Lot, yeah. <laughs> lots of great stuff. But basically, you know, it was, it was, you know, the, the economy wasn't doing great. So advertising is the first thing everybody cuts. And we were both just like, we both kind of came to this realization, like, why are we killing ourselves to live here? And I think that's, again, that came back mm, to that moment. My wife and I, I are really, asking ourselves that question now. Exactly. Yeah. It was just, LA is just things. so damn expensive. Yeah. And that's what New York was. And it was like, we're not, we weren't enjoying New York anymore because you basically, you had to, you waked up, wake, woke up, waked up, you woke up, (laughs) went to work, went to work, um, came home, uh, ate dinner, went to bed. I mean, you weren't necessarily, you weren't living New York. You were just on New York. You weren't going out to the theater. You weren't going out to the restaurants anymore because you couldn't, it was just crazy. The the expense got so expensive and it just got to be, I think we just, after a while, we just both just said, what are we doing? And like, screw this. We have a house in Italy. It's not necessarily, it was getting to be where we had just started ranting it out. And that's basically where the, you know, that was the business we started with this, which we now rent it out to uh, travelers. And we also make and sell Italian products in the U S. So we basically said, screw it. Let's just leave New York and go make a go of it in in Italy. So that was a definite, like, that's a huge fear. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> boom, yeah. boom, yeah. Veer. Boom. It was boom. <laughs> wow. So yeah, how's that? I remember I, now, now how, when did that happen? That happened uh, in 2012-ish? 2012, yeah. January 2012, I believe. Just after we got finished actually shooting a reality TV show, of all things, <laughs> we right. basically said, yeah, we we were on AMC's The Pitch, if anybody ever wants to watch that. I think it's still on iTunes. Interesting. But, um, yeah, we were on episode two and five, I believe. Really good episodes. Really, really well, well done show. And I wouldn't change it for anything. It was a fun show to do. So but, you um, were we on did, it as sort of like behind we the pitch- scenes or you were no, pitching? We were, oh, you were pitching. You were pitching. It's like the whole concept is two agencies pitch for a piece of business and they follow the two agencies throughout the process. Right. Yeah. The first one, you if you have a chance, watch number, watch, I think it's episode two. It's with um, waste management. Such a I'll, good episode. If it's on iTunes, I can link to it, I think. Oh, yeah? Because oh, yeah, that, that's part it's, of the story. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, that, that story is great. And then the, I think I think it was episode five, which was for An- Frangelico. And that basically, I, I mean, you probably, you, you already know the story that we moved here. So, yeah, it kind of gives you the story. Like, But basically, they actually almost end the episode with us moving here. It was oh, actually almost nice. like perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of weird because actually one of my old bosses like emailed me. He was like, you didn't really move to Italy, did you? I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> 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 I'm like, yeah, that's a reality show. Like, we moved I, to Italy. We really did. <laughs> we really did. But uh, it was, it was, so no, but it, it's, it's definitely been a change, but it's been an amazing change. So. Well, the pace of life in Italy is a lot different. Yes. But it almost kind of has come full circle for me, interestingly enough, because I grew up again in that small town. Right. So for me, this is I, our town here. I think it's like 15,000 people, the nearest town. Mm-hmm. And we, we live out in the country, basically. So to me, it's still very much a small, ma- small town mentality. And it has that it's it's very town family feel. Yeah. feel and has a very family oriented. It's all that stuff. So it, it kind of has come full circle to some degree. And that's, you've gone home in Italy. That's exactly. Yeah. I love that. That's a great metaphor. Well, you know, yeah. that's actually when I think about where I live in Southern California is I am basically on the, th- I live in greater LA. It's a city called Torrance. I don't know if you're familiar with the area. No, I don't know. That. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing. There's like, you know, a bunch of different crowds, but there is the Hollywood crowd of LA. Oh yeah, yeah. doesn't knows absolutely nothing about Torrance. Torrance nah. may as well be LA County. I mean, uh, Orange <laughs> County, right? Yeah. Or, or you know, you know, San Diego or something, because they don't know where it is. And you know, so and it's funny because, and I this is something I didn't know because you know, growing up in a small town, you just think like big city people are different and they're cosmopolitan and you know, they get around yeah. and they you know, they know things I don't know and and they just grow up that yeah. way, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not true. It's not tr- it's not <laughs> true. It's not true because I don't know if this is true about all cities, but in LA, because of the traffic, everybody stays where they are. Yeah. They don't leave their little radius. You yeah. know, so well, when, 
New York is the same way as neighborhood wise. Right. And to some degree, we, we would, people would always joke like we would not go below 23rd street. No, above 23rd street or below 14th street. That's when we lived. Yeah, right. right. We, were, we lived in Chelsea and it was like, that was our, Chelsea was our neighborhood. We went to eat the restaurants right there. We, my gym was right there. The barber was, I mean, I didn't leave. I mean, I left to go to work, which is the different was in Midtown. Right. But, but as but far that, as like no. your life and fun was, no. right. That, and, you know, if, and if somebody asks us for a party to like the Lower East Side or Upper West Side, you're like, really? It. No. Oh my God. God. That's like going, no. that's like like, going oh. to the moon or something. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, the yeah. Thi- yeah. The thing is, is uh, I, I learned all of this for a while because last year for several months, I was driving for one of Uber's competitors, uh, Lyft. L-Y-F-T. Um, so I, I, I got a really good education about all the different neighborhoods in, in LA. And I spent a lot of time in Hollywood and North Hollywood, Santa Monica, uh, downtown and all of its, uh, yeah. fun little <laughs> scary. I love down. I love out down, downtown LA. Da- so downtown cool. LA is, is weird. You know, I, cool. I I'm know. cool with, I'm cool with it as long as I don't have to get on the, on the one ten. If I can just stay on the surface streets, then I'm happy. But as soon as I get on the 110, then it's like I, I automatically want to go home. Because <laughs> it's like I, mean, I can I go, see it. It's like, yeah. vroom, get me out of here. You know? <laughs> I used to, I used to go, we used to go to LA all the time for work. And I used to, uh, I, that was the one thing I was like, okay, I can never live here because of the traffic. I yeah. mean, it was just, we'd, have, we'd have a call. Yeah, we'd have a call time at like, you know, six in the morning. So we'd have to leave at like four, four in the morning. Right. Just, it's like what? It's nuts. And if you okay, did that, leave at four, the thing is, you'd be there at five. But that, yeah, and that, and yeah, you have sure. absolutely no choice but to do that because if you left it, at four fifteen, you'd be there at nine. Exactly. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it was you're just sitting in traffic. It's right. just like oh, way way. That's why too everybody many has people. good cars in L.A. Everybody has so many nice cars because they spend to. so much time in their car. Yeah. yeah, it's like you're home away from home. You better be happy there. I don't yeah. drive much anymore because I stopped driving for Lyft. <laughs> I just <laughs> I now I'm you. walking around my neighborhood, you know, and then yeah. occasionally I'll drive on the weekends and take my wife to Orange County or something, you know. Yeah, I yeah. don't blame you. So I think we've uh, we've come to the end of your Vroom Vroom Veer story. This has been a lot yes. of fun. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for being yeah. my first uh, my first could be my first guest. I'm Not good. sure. I, I you know I, here's the thing is. With the launch, um, Michael's advice is to, is to try to prioritize the people with an audience in your first eight weeks. So this is definitely show worthy. So yes. Yeah. Totally show worthy. So what I'll say is you're on the show. I just don't, I can't promise you when. No, uh, no so, yeah, right. Especially because you're because it's first eight weeks. You got to build that. You got to because those right. people have to build an audience that you. Yeah, get right. So I'm I'm yeah. I'm I'm actually wanting to build a launch strategy and get as many say like 10, 15 launch partners, and they're my yeah. first. I want to be on their show, and then they're going to be on my show, and if they want me to pay them, I might. <laughs> but I, I really want to have a huge bombastic kind of launch, yeah. you know, actually that that's the problem we're kind of, I'm kind of running into with ours because I, we, ours right now is more of a topic based. It's going to be just us kind of talking about our, our life here. Right. And which is, which is fun and interesting, but it doesn't have the, so you have to build the our, our audience much more differently. Like, I mean, I could have like, I could have you on, I could spin it somehow because you know, ours is about like, it's called living Villa Capelli. So it's kind of like, it's kind of the mentality as well as just the life here. It's the mentality of kind of what yours is like, you know, veering, but the mentality of like making a go of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we can, we can It's almost like, yeah, it's, you want to take the, uh, that via Capelli as a metaphor for something that is is like the, 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 I don't know, whatever you want to call it, the life of meaning or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Everybody's got their own via Capelli. Exactly. So, it's so like that's taking, what you want to do. You want to find yeah. people that metaphorically talk about moving towards their via Capelli. Exactly. 
That's you could do that. Pro- <laughs> I could do that. You could but do that. Is, but I want to do, I don't know if that's where we want to start. I almost feel like that's an evolution to it. Okay. Because that's, I don't know, that, I kind of go back and forth. Cause the, but that's going to be the hard part is, is getting the, the audience, which if I had people on that I knew had a built-in audience, right. then the autom- you, you kind of get their, their audience right away, their downloads, whatever, which helps you get in the news and noteworthy. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but I could also end up spending, I, but the good thing about ours is I'm very focused too, and very in the sense of like with the Italian stuff. So right. I could also spend some money and actually advertise to like the Facebook groups that are Italian or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So there is some way to do it that way too. So that's kind of where I'm thinking I'm going to go first. Although, I don't know. It's it's an interesting... I actually joined... <laughs> I don't know if you ever joined the... I joined the Podcaster's Paradise Oh, yeah. Group. I've been in Podcaster's Paradise for a while. Since okay, uh, yeah. June of last year. Yeah. There, there was one guy that that's posted... a great group. No, I, I, that's and one reason I joined it was mo- mostly just for the like community. The Facebook group, yeah, yeah community mm-hmm. more than anything else. But although some of his the, the training is great too, yeah, the training is going to help me. And, in the beginning and what for, I would do is um, let's let's officially end the show because I'm going to have to chop okay, all sorry. this stuff off. Yeah. No, 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 I, I, it's my show. I, it's my fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Stephen, thanks for being on the show, and uh, I definitely want to do this again. So we're, we might have to give it like three years because uh, we're going to have to have more story. <laughs> yes. But this has been great, and uh, thanks for being well, on my show. Well, thank you for having me. All right. You have a great day. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.